Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. I might create a new game. I looked at creating a game that just had four pockets on. I looked at the table, we started playing it. I went, you know what, I like this. It's a cross between Paul and Snooker. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Gaelic football on Off the Ball. With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. So we're going to turn to GAA. The lay of the land in the All-Ireland Football Series as follows. From the weekend just gone, Group 2, we had Galway beating Tyrone by 16 points to 13, albeit Tyrone down to 14 men after Frank Burns was red-carded on 18 minutes. Later, 13 men, by the way. Niall Morgan was off and Peter Hart ended up in uh, goal. In Group 1, Mayo result of the weekend, 119 to 17 points in Killarney, a five-point win against Kerry. In Group 4, Donegal. I think most people were predicting uh, a rolling over and dying type All-Ireland football series on their part, but they went down to Ennis and they won 14 points to nine. And then, well, Kildare continued to confuse. 14 points apiece with Sligo draw. Sligo scored the last uh, three points of that game to uh, get the point on the board in Group 3. Very up to say, Colin Boyle, four-time All-Star at Mayo, is with us. Good evening. Joel, how are you doing? Very well. Just on uh, Galway-Tyrone, uh, the Frank Burns shoulder to the head, Jack Glynn, um, of Jack Glynn. It's interesting. I'm seeing uh, reports that Fergal Logan is hinting of an appeal. Uh, this is like a, a rich, grand tradition in Gaelic games. And I know there was one of these in a Dublin Mayo. It may have been the COVID final, but certainly one of those games or maybe a semi-final, similar kind of vibe as well. You see it in club games up and down the country. You've been watching it in GA for years. A guy is blindsided, eyes on the ball and opposition player sees that, lines him up a long way out, knows he's about to turn into him but isn't braced and it's a smash. And the game allows for that. The game does allow for that. But if it's mistimed at all, then it's very, very dangerous. And in this instance, Glynn doesn't come back out for the second half. I just wonder if, if that tackle, which is allowed for just needs to be cut out that blindsided hit because it is so dangerous increasingly yeah um, it's a difficult one to know Joe as a player I used to love physical contact I used to love getting in seeing opportunities to make hits make tackles as much as possible there's no doubt about it that is a dangerous one if I was Frank Burns in that situation I would have lined up the exact same hit as as Frank did because the opportunity was there to do it if you watch it as Frank is approaching, and this goes back to what you were saying, it's literally, we're talking a millisecond here. Mm. As Frank Bur- Burns approaches Jacqueline, body position is all right. It's perfect. Jacqueline is side on, ready to take the hit, or or Frank Burns is ready to, to give the hit. And as Jack collects the ball, he just adjusts his body position to face forward. And unfortunately, it's too late for that stage. Frank Burns, he's already committed and then you see that collision and what happened. And it is a very, very dangerous tackle. The one you referenced there, I think I think it's Owen McLaughlin, the one you might be talking yeah. about in the semi-final in, in 2021, John Small. Yes. Again, a very similar scenario. And I, I know Paddy, Paddy Andrews was talking about this yesterday in the football board. He had won with Nile Morgan a couple of years back in a, in a league game. It's a different one for me, Joe, because I love physical contact and I love the big hits and I loved it as a player. I got great energy from it. I got great energy for if one of my teammates made a big hit and a big tackle but there is a big danger 
from it. There's no doubt about and it. It's, and it, maybe it's a real quintessential GA hit as well. And the crowd loves it. Everyone sees it coming, yeah. and it's boom, and it's a left one on him. It's a bit, you know, the equivalent in soccer of I got the ball, but I took him out as well. It's allowed for, mm. but the dangers if you don't time it right. Well, they were laid bare, obviously, with Glynn. And 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 that is the thing, Joe. And you can do ninety. 90- 8% of a perfect as a tackler. You could get your timing right, absolutely. But if that player coming into possession changes his body position as you were about to hit him, that's where the problem lies. And yeah. unfortunately, that's what happened, Jack Jim, the last day. And you do see it on a regular basis, for sure. Yeah. And and you think at this stage still, most players in Burns' situation, Frank Burns' situation, they would still say, this is a great opportunity to get a big hit in. They're not running up there and putting on the brakes and just trying, you know, making a more generic tackle. You, th- you still think most players are, are encouraged to make that smash? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you think of the game itself, Joe, it was a fairly flat game and Galway were, were a couple of points up at the time, but Tyrone had made a kind of flat start to the game. So as a player, I'd nearly be looking at injecting a small bit of energy into my team. And how do I do that? Sometimes you just make a tackle or you make a hit. Yeah. And if the opportunity is there, you know, if that hit is pulled off, it's a perfectly timed tackle, throw and pick up the ball, kick it over the bar. You could be talking about that after the game as the moment that almost changed the game. There was an energy in the team, there was an energy in the crowd. Mm. So it does have that effect for sure, but unfortunately, when it goes wrong, like it did the last day, like you're talking about an appeal there, I, I suppose nothing should 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 shock you with the appeal process in the GA, but I'd be fairly shocked if he gets off this, gets off this one. I think it is it is dangerous play, dangerous play. I don't think there's any getting out of that. Speaking of flat performances, let's turn to Killarney and Kerry. Mm. I thought uh, uh, Kevin McStay, <laughs> it was like the greatest advertisement of all time for just like getting out of the provincials early because the way he talked about Mayo's lead up to this game sounded beautiful. So he, he was saying, you know, obviously we didn't plan it, but I gave the lads then two weeks off after the def- defeat to Roscommon. A whole host of them got away and got two weeks of sunshine. Um, then we came back and we said, right, lads, let's go again. Nice four week leading time, block of training and uh, look at the results. I mean, why would you be slogging your guts out in a provincial? Well, he, he, we were talking about this last week, Joe, about Derry and Armagh and kind of what they went through in Clonus last Sunday compared to obviously the likes of Mayo and Tyrone who were just obviously rested and and ready to go. And you could see that in Mayo's play, like the energy they started that game, Joe. Now, don't get me wrong, they were helped by a very, very flat carry performance and why that was. I suppose we don't know, but Mayo were bouncing off the ground. They looked like a team who were ready to announce, yeah, by the way, we're still in this championship. And in a way, maybe it was just an ideal game for them. Maybe if it was Loud or maybe if it was Cork in the first game, you mightn't have seen that bounce or that energy from Mayo. But maybe after being out of the championship for six weeks, they got this news probably about, what, two weeks ago that it was Kerry and Killarney. Like that's one to get the juices flowing as a Mayo player. And you could see it. You could see it right from the start of the game. You know, they were in Kerry's faces. They had two goal chances in the first five minutes, Joe. And even though they don't take them, it kind of rocked Kerry. And it almost rocked the crowd. You could hear there was a lot of moans and groans in the crowd. People were kind of wondering what the hell was going on here. And you could see that in the pitch. And Mayo, in fairness, you know, were, were obviously they were full, full of full worthy of their win but yeah they were really really good I, without blowing it out of proportion Joe I would say as a as a full 70 minute performance I'd say from a Mayo point of view that's the best I can remember Mayo playing in a big big game against the likes of a De- Dublin Kerry since possibly the Ireland final in 2017 and I know people might say well that's a game Mayo lost but I think most people will recognise that as 
maybe one of the best games over the last 10 years and the quality of football by both teams. So I think Mayo got to a really, really good level last Sunday or last Saturday, there's no doubt about it. What in particular did you like, aside from the physical energy? I thought their skills, Joe. I thought some of their scores, some of their off-the-shoulder off run on their hands. Like the goal, the goal is a typical example, Joe, of kind of where Mayo, where Mayo were six weeks ago against Roscommon and where they were last Saturday last Saturday evening. Like if you remember the first 10 minutes against Roscommon, they two guilt-edge goal chances. One of them is a, a simple enough hand pass for Ryan O'Donnell to Tommy Conroy. He puts it out too far in front of him, sends Tommy Conroy wide and the goal chance is gone. Last Saturday... 10 minutes to go, Ryan gets the ball in the corner, works his way inside. It's a beautiful left-handed hand pass into Omid Lachlan, running right onto his path, who's broke the line, and, and he sticks it in his back and net. And it was just them small things, Joe, the skill execution for Mayo. I thought their hands, I thought their kicking, like I said, their timing off the shoulder, their running off the shoulder was of, of a, a top, top quality last, last Saturday. I really, really liked it. Loved their energy that they brought. Kerry, don't get me wrong, made it easy for Mayo. Yeah. Made it, like, I don't think I've seen a Kerry team as poor as tracking runners as what I've seen, seen last Sunday, or last Saturday. And one last one on Mayo. The, um, well, I'd say certainly top five. I would say, he, I was about to say the most criticised footballer of the last decade. We'll go top five, Aidan O'Shea. <laughs> uh, so he picked up another Man of the Match award. He's basically been played in every game by McStay. McStay has clearly decided to uh, make this guy feel very central to things. And that full forward line uh, looks to suit him. I'm, uh, not to be critical of him, I think there were probably all Ireland finals where, as as games wore on in midfield, the greyhounds like James McCarthy might start to get away from Aidan O'Shea a touch. But in that full forward line, when he knows what his job is and he's well able to do it, I mean, it's obvious McStay thought that was his best position from from minute one. Oh yeah, and it, look, Ken McStay has been saying this through the media for years. What I really liked about how they used him the last day and, and a lot about the league is just how simple the ball was onto him. Like I'd say they hand-passed the ball into him four or five times. And Aiden's body position is if he gets his yard or two in front, his wingspan is so big that he'll just keep holding the marker off and he win the ball. Mm. So he's before Now I do feel Kerry got their matchups all wrong. Like I was in Castlebarjo the night Mayo played Kerry in the league and Aiden was brilliant that night as well, back in February. Jason Foley marked him for the first half. You know, you could see Foley wasn't sharp. Kerry weren't long back. They moved Dylan Casey onto Aiden at halftime and it was a complete, absolute mismatch. And I was shocked that Jack O'Connor went with Dylan Casey last Saturday evening. There's just some mismatch or some matchups that don't work. And Dylan Casey and Aiden Mache, for me, was never going to work. And I think Aiden made hay in the first half. I think Foley actually did better in the second half on Aiden, but the damage was kind of done at that stage. And Mayo's groove, Mayo were already in the groove and Aiden was in the groove. So, yeah, but for Aiden, he looked really, really good. Thing about like about Aiden is how well he's striking the ball. Like from marks, free kicks, he looks so so confident. I think he's added that element into his game now, and there's no doubt about it. He's leading up front, and obviously James Carr and Ryan O'Donnell as well were really really good the last day. Yeah, and this with a couple of boys like Durkin on the bench as well, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting to me. That was a pre-planned move. Obviously, we don't know if Paddy was injured, but Sam Callan, I have to give a special mention. He comes off in 45 minutes for Paddy Durkin at 19 years of age to put in performance like he did for 45 minutes marking one of the best forwards in the country in, in Sean O'Shea like he was upset, exceptional and his last play of the game is actually to stop Clifford's goal chance one of the Clifford's goal chance and, and and tip it wide off the goal line so he had an exceptional game I and mean, you consider 
Mayo have lost Keegan. They've lost, obviously, Oshie Mullins the last couple of years. To see a player like that coming through at 19 years of age and put a performance in what I think was a championship debut down in, down in Killarney, Mark and O'Shea, he was, he was exceptional. And lastly, Paddy Durkin came in and brought a huge energy to the team after that. So we've alluded to Kerry on several occasions there. You can't separate the two performances. I suspect the moans and groans you heard from the crowd were born out of the sense that, well, Kerry, when are you going to start this year? Like, why, what are we waiting for? I mean, OK, you win your All-Ireland. That's great. I mean, join the club down here in Kerry. Everyone has one. And then it's like you take the league off. OK, we'll allow that. And then we're into Munster. And now, like, th- this was the day to actually go again. And they're completely off the physical pitch, which is, you know, it's kind of unacceptable um, at championship level. And then the other point, I suppose, you talk about Mayo and the, the brilliant running off the shoulder and, and the goal chances they created. Like it felt last year, Kerry made their defence under Jack O'Connor a kind of defining aspect of what they were about. We're not going to be a soft touch anymore. Mm. And Roscommon gave you the template. Like there's a way to defend against Mayo and it's not to allow them run off the shoulder and have pace in the attack. It's to really slow it down and see can they break you down. So like that Kerry performance by they by the standard of All-Ireland Champions is the pits. It was really, really poor, Joe. And I think I think one thing we're all wondering about Kerry at the start of the year, where are they going to come with something different, change up their kind of defensive structure or, or whatnot? Like the Tyke Morley, not experiment, it's one day in their Ireland, but I think their teams are figuring that out now. And you could see Jack Carey the last day just made hate 11. He was dragging Morley all over the place and Morley wasn't sure if he should go with them or sit in the hole. And Jack Carney was so influential along with Mac- Matty Ruan and, and Jim O'Connor in the middle of the pitch and caused havoc, especially in that first half, until I think Adrian Spillane came into the team at halftime. But you're right, Joe, I think it's more than just the defensive structure and Tyg Morley and, and def- like Foley doesn't look to me like he's informed. Tom O'Sullivan defensively doesn't look like he's informed. Ryan O'Sullivan Ryan got the better of him in the first half for sure. But as a unit... Like, if you go back to the Ireland final, Joe, and you remember Stephen O'Brien in that first half, makes a massive block on Johnny Heaney, preventing a goal chance, makes mm-hmm. another block on Paul Conroy after that. And that was going on all throughout the team. They were defending as a unit. The last day, there was just runners coming from everywhere that were coming on track. Like I, I said it to you earlier on, I've, I've never seen a Kerry team let so many players go like, like they were in the first half. I made five goal chances from that. Yeah. At the four of them were definitely from untracked runners. So... Concerning from a Kerry point of view, but they have time to fix it. That's the thing. Is it a hunger thing? Is it a structural thing? Maybe it's a slight combination of both. Maybe there was a slight bit of arrogance in Kerry that, you know, we're at home now in Killarney, lovely sunny day. We're going to turn it on here. And maybe they just weren't ready for that focus and intensity that came their way from Mayo. Notable exception, of course, being Clifford, akin to the Tyrone performance. He scores eight points, five from play. So, um, I mean... I would think he's had a very difficult couple of weeks and a very draining couple of weeks and he managed to show up and perform like that. And so with with Kerry now, like I presume we're past the, oh, it's still shadow boxing excuse. Yeah, we are. Just on Clifford, like what an example of literally putting a team up in your back and, and, and trying to carry the fight to the opposition. He was sensational absolutely sensational and even a player like him will look back on Sunday or Monday and think how did one of them three not go a chance to not go in and maybe if one of them goes in we could be having a different conversation Joe mm-hmm. but 
yeah, from 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 a Kerry point of view, it's 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 slightly worrying. What, what I do feel they've done now, they're still look at they're still very much in the race to win this South Ireland, but they're going after it the hard way now. They're going they're definitely going after it. things have got definitely harder for Kerry to win the All Ireland. Obviously, if assuming things in sport is very dangerous, but you assume a Mayo win the group, assume Kerry get to a playoff, and and assuming they win that playoff, they are looking at a Galway. Dublin or possibly a Derry in a quarter final. Yeah. And their route to getting back to where they want to be has become an awful lot harder and they won't beat any either the, or any of them three teams playing like they did la- last Saturday evening, that's for sure. But look at they have time to get themselves together. Yeah. It's uh, all very strange. You'd love to know what's going on behind the scenes there because it's just it's not a Jack O'Connor side. That's I, I mean mm. it, certain things you'd you'd almost uh, put alongside a team under O'Connor and effort and intensity and, and, and a grisly aspect would be chief amongst them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And the, everything you would associate with Kerry, that was there last year. And that kind of goes back to the way their forwards were tackling, the way their forwards were tracking runners. Like, there's no way they would have let Mayo do that this time last year. Yeah. Absolutely no way. Is it a hunger thing, Joe? That could be the thing. Is the desire there after the hard yards put in over the last three or four months? I, I don't know. I think one thing that did stick out with me last Saturday is you really see what a Kerry team without David Moore looks like because they pressed the living daylights out of Mayo in that first half on the Mayo kickout and Mayo were just getting the long kickouts off every single time mm. or the majority of the time and Kerry looks so open at the yes. back of Mayo won those kickouts and it all it's, it actually spooked Kerry Joe because they completely changed their tactics in the second half and they conceded most of the kickouts which was something you never see Kerry do. So that's that would be a worry for, for me, you know, how much kind of co- or damage that's done to Kerry's confidence and something they were normally really, really good at. It's a great point. I haven't heard many people point to the Kerry press and, and David Moran's importance to it, but he cleans up five, six, seven of those balls, no mm. problem. It's a different game. It's a different game. All of a sudden, Mayo are on the back foot and defending instead of obviously the, the other way around. Uh, Kildare Sligo, I don't know if you saw this game in full. I saw just bits of a chance in the game. It's interesting. Tony McEntee, after the Connacht final, which was obviously a difficult day for Sligo, he said, listen, our target is just to get one win. That's an, a, a great sense of progression for us. Now, they managed to get a draw against Kildare. I suspect he's happy about that. They scored the last three points of that game. So again, that's really uh, something for them to build on. And it, and it redeems the season. Like it, it, that defeat to Galway, the manner of it doesn't loom as large now. Mm. I mean, for Kildare, I don't know what to make of this group. And, and even... Glenn Ryan can moan about Crow Park and all these kind of things but like there's there's just something off with them or maybe we overestimate how much talent they have like I'm from Kildare so I can be a bit harsher on my own mm. like I keep mm. hearing how talented this group are so they're either not as talented as people are saying or they're underachieving Yeah uh, First of all Joe I was at the kind of final I was on that that day with yourself yeah. and, I, and I said that I really feared for Sligo going into the group stage of you know of getting three maybe possibly bad beatings um, but the last day, like they was, they were brilliant. They fully deserved their draw, if not a win. On top of that, granted, I know they come back into the game later on to get the draw. But for Kildare, like you just you're thinking they're after taking, or sorry, you thought they're after taking a couple of steps forward. That performance against against Dublin, granted, they fade away with 15 minutes to go, but that can happen against Dublin. But to go down to Sligo and kind of deliver such a abject performance, you know. Uh, I just don't know where that leaves them, Joe, to be honest. Um, where that leaves them going into the Roscommon game, into the Dublin game. Like, they're in a real battle now to get into a playoff position, which is something I don't think, I think they would have thought, you know, we're, we're definitely going to finish at least third here. They're in a proper, proper battle now. So, 
I don't know, Joe. They are a frustrating team. Yeah, I know. Look, you're from Gildare, so you know a lot more about it than me. But they were they were a team from playing against them over the years. You just never knew on a particular day what you were going to get. Obviously, they bet us in 2018. You didn't know after that or before that if they were going to show up or if they weren't. And if they do show up, they could literally shoot the lights out. Yeah. But on, on any given day, that wasn't guaranteed. Because that day in 18 felt like the start of something. And mm. here we are. Next weekend, we have Loud Cork. That's in Group 1. That's in Mayo and Kerry's group. We have Armagh against Westmead. That's in the galway Tehran group. We have Derry Monaghan, which catches the eye. That's in Donegal, Clare's group. And then on the Sunday, Dublin Roscommon in group three, which is Sligo and uh, Kildare's group. So that's that's the weekend ahead. Early sense of this All-Ireland series? Um, I th- look, I really enjoyed Mayo Kerry for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, I thought some of the rest of it kind of went under the radar. Got... Brown Galway was a disappointing game, Joe, and kind of numerous accidents. It never caught fire. The sending off, the weather, you know, yeah. up in a, a damp, dreary day up on Salt Hill doesn't allow for good football. So look at early days. Yeah, look, the Mayo Kerry game was a cracker. Such a busy weekend to try and capture the public imagination it, it, as well. It, it, exactly. I think maybe it might be only later on, possibly if we get to a last game. But again, because there's very little jeopardy on a lot, on a lot of the games that's been played, we mightn't see that full ex- excitement until we get to a playoff and then, OK, there's real jeopardy in this. And obviously it's knockout from then on. So I think that might be when we only see the, the quality of the excitement kick in, I think. OK, let's chat next week. Thanks, Emil. Perfect, Joel. Thank you. Cheers. Colin Boyle with us there on the line and our Gaelic football coverage and off the ball is in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. And if you're looking for uh, loads more GAA talk on off the ball, the football pod is the place to go. You'll find that on uh, your podcast uh, network, your feed, wherever you get your podcast from. That's Tommy and Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue.